the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Today, a bit of a disclaimer in that if you have young ears near the radio, it might be a good time to busy them elsewhere around the house as uh, we get an opportunity to kind of talk parent to parent, dealing with a topic that, um, quite frankly, you do need to be talking to your children about. And this is the topic about talking about the topic. If I thoroughly confused you now, good. When we were kids, not that many years ago, I constantly remind myself, uh, we learned about the birds and the bees from a variety of sources. Usually they were peers who had either heard about it from older brothers and sisters or maybe had stumbled upon uh, dad's magazine collection, something of that sort. And so we kind of came up through the process of learning about um, sexuality through outside sources. And then eventually mom and dad came along and sat down and had the talk. I remember when my dad had the talk. And I'm not sure who was more nervous about it, he or I. Well, that sense of nervousness hasn't changed much. But I'll tell you what has changed. The sense that parents have in terms of what the talk should consist of, what the kids do and do not already know about sexuality, and then third and perhaps most importantly, how early that conversation needs to take place. Um, we would think in this day and an age with the over-sexualization of our society that this would be an easier conversation to have. But for many parents, it's become increasingly more difficult. So at what point can we begin a meaningful and age-appropriate conversation about such subjects as sexuality, pornography, and even more serious, sexual abuse? Well, my guest today has some insights on that very topic. In fact, she is the author of a new book called Five Things Every Parent Needs to Know About Their Kids and sex. And Marie Miller, thanks for taking time to be with us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is one of those discussions that every parent knows that they should have or need to have with their son and daughter, and yet uh, I think all have the tendency to want to put it off. And, and as you suggest in the book, almost every parent today has a number of really severe misconceptions about what their child knows, when they learned it, and what the source was. So maybe we can start with kind of, uh, before we we encourage parents on how to educate their own children on the topic of sexuality, perhaps some parents need to be educated to begin with. Sure. Um, What kind of brought this topic to mind so much that I felt like it was kind of my message to share with the world was um, my own story. I grew up a preacher's kid in a, a very conservative Southern environment and was never talk to about sex and through that was um, abused by a youth pastor unfortunately and exposed to pornography in my teens and this was years and years and years ago Um, and God has healed me in tremendous ways and so I started sharing my story to high school students college students and then even more recently middle school students and what came out of years of sharing my story was learning that children as young as 10 nine years old um, are, are being abused are exposed to pornography and they're terrified to talk to their parents about it they're they feel so much shame and so 
once I, I kind of saw that this is a, a very common pattern, I started doing some research into what our kids are exposed to and when and why it's so important to talk to them a lot sooner than we think is is realistic. One of the big um, issues that you take umbrage with early on and throughout the book, and maybe it's a good jumping off point for our discussion today, and that is this notion that every parent has, that my child is the exception. Um, This idea that, well, uh, my son or daughter, they were raised in a good Christian home or a good Christian school or they have good Christian parents or a good Christian upbringing, and therefore we don't need to worry about such matters. I'm not going to be concerned about them sexualizing early or or getting in trouble, because after all, we've done all the right things. What What is wrong about this misconception that many parents have, that it's not going to be their kid, that their kid is the sole exception? Sure. No, I think there's kind of a, a two-part answer to that. The first being, it's not about sheltering. Like, we can shelter our children as much as possible. We can hide them in the basement away from technology, not give them smartphones or iPads or anything like that. Um, but sheltering is not the answer. It's having a conversation is because at some point your child is going to be an adult and will need to know how to process sexualized information that they received from the world. And on the other hand of this, I was the exception. Um, Like I said before, I was a preacher's kid. I grew up in a very small town that was very conservative with good values and great parents and great home life and a small school. and, And I mean, this was before the internet, so I wasn't even exposed to what's on the internet now um, at that young of an age. But yet, unfortunately, as I said, life still happened and and I was still abused by somebody and through that abuse was exposed to pornography and was terrified to talk to my parents about it. So now with the internet and apps and social media, even though you may be doing everything you can to to shelter or protect your child and, and that's very valuable, your child probably has a friend who has access to the internet or will hear something on the radio or hear something even at church um, just that another child says that they need to be prepared to know how to respond to. So we can't protect our, our children from everything all the time. It's really about teaching them how to process that. And, and you know, the irony, uh, Anne-Marie, is it's not that many years ago, not that many generations ago, when the whole issue of a child being introduced to such matters was a question of uh, when it was going to happen and uh, under what circumstances the parent would introduce the topic. Today, as you suggest, with peer pressure, media, entertainment, social media at all, uh, it almost sounds like this is sort of a grace against time, meaning that they'll be exposed to it. The question is, who gets to them first and what kind of a message are they exposed to? Is it the healthy, biblically-based viewpoint on sexuality and reproduction and uh, this creation of God? Or is it the distorted view that is one that, quite frankly, for a lot of kids, I think, can... Um, can lead them to believe that this is just simply uh, a, a dirty subject. Right. There's um, so much in the world today that is changing. What values were right 20 years ago are wrong now, and and vice versa. And we, by teaching our children that the Scripture is the truth and Scripture doesn't change and giving them that perspective early on is so key to forming their, their sexual development and, and how they interpret sexual messages from the world um, because they're there. They're, they're going to receive them, and the parents should be on the front line of of communicating that and being a, a valuable and trustworthy place for their kids to come to to talk about sex. And Marie Miller, our guest today, a look at five things every parent needs to know about their kids and sex. 
will uh, deal with the big question of what about this matter of exposure to online porn and how early can it potentially begin? We'll address that question and more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. A visit with Anne Marie Miller, a look at five things every parent needs to know about kids and sex. Uh, of course, the big issue I think that many parents have always struggled with, Marie, is okay, uh, when do we start the conversation? What's an appropriate age? Do we wait till uh, 17, 15 when they start dating? As you're suggesting, more and more these children are getting exposed to things through social media, through peers, and online at an earlier and earlier age. Any statistics out there? to give us an idea as to just how young, potentially, they're being exposed to this online? Well, what's interesting about that statistic is that every time it's refreshed, I think I I started researching the book about three years ago, and the average age of exposure to online pornography was around 11 to 12 years old at that time for most studies. And toward the end of uh, when I was finishing the book and it was going through the editing process and review process, that number actually dropped to eight years old. Wow. So within three years, it dropped three years of, of age for children that are being exposed. And it's not like our children are going out there necessarily and looking up pornography intentionally, which sometimes is true. Maybe they hear a word that they don't know and they look it up. Um, but what's happening is that people that market pornography are, are really targeting younger and younger audiences by misspelling common names like maybe if you type in Disney or the White House or just something very common and innocent into the into a search engine and you spell it wrong or they've just created a strategy to expose your child to pornography earlier because we see in the long term that that actually ends up making money for uh, different marketers of pornography. I learned this the hard way many years ago. There was some issue going on in the political arena that I believe our listeners needed to get out in front of, and so I urge listeners to um, go to the uh, White House website and please send an email to the president voicing their opinion, and I gave out the, uh, without thinking, gave out the White House address. I won't tell you what the dot aspect of it was, but it wasn't GOV, just out Mm -hmm. of habit. Right, and I got a right. couple of calls from listeners the next day that were shocked and said, have you seen what's happened to the White House website? And I said, well, no, what are you talking about? And so we logged on and then we were shocked, too. So the irony is uh, 30, 40 years ago, you had to go looking for it. You had to go into the seedy part of town and the, the end that nobody ever went to where all the little seedy bars were located. And that's where you had to go to find uh, the stores that catered to people that purchased that stuff. Today, literally, as you're suggesting... And Marie, it comes and finds you, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, we basically have pornography stores that we carry around in our in our pockets and our purses when we carry our cell phones. The the potential to be exposed to something unintentionally is so huge for ourselves and our children um, that we just really need to be aware of that. And that's why I encourage parents to start this conversation, not just one talk. People always refer to it as the talk, but I think it's a series of conversations over many, many years as your child gets older. All right, let's talk about some of the the ground rules, if we can, here. As you point out in the book, this goes beyond simply that babies don't come out of cabbage patches and things of this sort. We, we, We understand some of that. A lot of this also gets to the idea of helping to, to a certain degree, not only 
inoculate your child against the potentiality of some developing uh, someday developing a, an addiction to pornography but more and more we're also having to teach them earlier and earlier so that they can be better protected if they ever find themselves in a circumstance where it could be anything from um, sexual abuse at the hands of a, uh, a trusted relative or for that matter even sex trafficking I mean it, it's amazing the kind of horrible things that our children at such a young age and for many parents think of you know that kind of period of innocence gleeful innocence for many of us uh just a couple of generations ago where you would never think about talking to your child about such matters when they were eight or nine years old and and today as you're suggesting if you haven't had that conversation at least by the time they're 10 it's likely too late it's likely they've gotten all the details and gotten a lot of wrong details from some other source Yes, there's probably some sort of, of recovery um, that you're going to have to do with them and, and kind of reteaching and refocusing what, uh, what family values you need to communicate to them. But, I mean, as early as, you know, your, your bond with your child starts in infancy. So just by, by being there for your child and, and naming body parts in the correct way um, as early as, as toddler age um, is, is really important. And so that way, when they get to be in elementary school, when they're really the most vulnerable, because a lot of predators don't think that children know what's a good touch or a bad touch they're, if they haven't been told, because a lot of parents don't tell their children. Um, but by telling your children, you know, if, if mom or dad or whoever is the trustworthy guardian, you know, can, can give you a bath and that's okay, or if your doctor is looking at you and we're in the room, that's okay. But if a stranger or a friend or a teacher touches you, somewhere and and pointing out where those places are um but there's no secrets even if they tell you to keep it a secret there's no secrets and you need to tell me and and just letting them know what what is appropriate and what is not when it comes to who can touch them and, and where is okay for them to to be touched well, what about the parent that is dealing with their own either bad or, or painful past, either because maybe they've struggled with pornography addiction themselves or have been the victims of abuse. And so for them, it's a painful topic. They're afraid to even broach it and, and, and bring it up because they're not quite sure how to go about addressing this as it brings up issues of their own. I, I would imagine that even though that might be problematic for a parent, it should be no excuse to avoid the topic. Am I right? I'm so glad that you brought that up because you're absolutely right. Parents, I mean, statistically, half of the people listening to your broadcast right now are struggling with some sort of, of sexual sin or, or an addiction, or maybe they were abused. Um, someone out there is struggling. And when we're in that situation, we think that we cannot be leaders for our children and our families. But I want to just really encourage those people that that God has equipped you and, and he has put you over your family to lead your family. They, if not mutually exclusive, you you, you must lead your family and, and teach your children. And yes, you you probably have some stuff to deal with on your own too, and that's okay, but that doesn't mean that you can't teach your children. It doesn't make you a hypocrite. It, it doesn't make you ill-equipped um, because God has given you that role. So you are so vital in, in helping your child form their view on sexuality. And perhaps, you know, the, the lesson that you do not want to see your son or daughter either repeat the mistakes that you made or go through the painful experience that you've gone through, uh, having been a victim of abuse, that, that this is really an opportunity to help prepare them to, to as best you can, as any parent would want to, I think, uh, in their heart, want to do all they can to protect their child. Sure. I think, I mean, we are inherently wired as parents 
to want to do the best for our children and, and to protect them and to guard them from anything that can harm them. And I know just within my own life and my husband and I are expecting in July and just the love and protection I, I have already for this child. Um, and, and we're planning now, like when we have these conversations and how will we talk about our past with them and you don't need to reveal everything about your past to your child. I mean, it's, it's definitely not necessarily even appropriate to do that. But using the experiences in your life that have been harmful to help protect your child is a beautiful way that God can redeem that part of your story. But see, you can cheat here because uh, you wait a couple of years once your son or daughter is, uh, well, probably more than a couple of years. But when they're ready to, ready to read, just say, here, Mommy wrote this book with you in mind. <laughs> read it and call me if you have any questions. <laughs> yep, I've already started reading to to our child um, while, while it's growing inside me. So hopefully it's picking up on a few things early on. But Now, as much as I, I mentioned, that, mentioned that tongue-in-cheek, stay with us for a minute, if you would, uh, Anne Marie, because I want to come to another another topic, and then we're going to ask Anne Marie to kind of walk us through a quick tutorial on the five things that every parent needs to know about kids and sex. And one of the questions we'll pose is for parents that feel uncomfortable at this topic, ill-equipped to address questions, or feel like you were born in an you know a light year away that you're so out of touch with what the kids are facing that maybe you think, hmm, gee, if I could just give my son or daughter a book like a copy of Anne Marie's book. Or or how about this? Just suggest they Google it. Anything wrong with that? We'll find out as our conversation with Anne Marie Miller continues. A look at five things every parent needs to know about their kids and sex. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Five things every parent needs to know about their kids and sex. Anne Marie Miller, our guest tonight, as we're talking about this topic, and more and more parents are coming to the painful realization that it's not a question of um, necessarily when your children get exposed. That's simply happening earlier and earlier. It's a question of who gets to them first. Do you get to them with the right information, the right answers, in a uh, God-centered, biblically-based fashion, or do you wait for them to learn about it from social media, their peers, or the Internet? talking about that very topic. And, and one of the things, um, before we get to have you walk through these five things um, that every parent needs to know, Anne-Marie, is this idea of some parents that feel as if, well, I, I feel a little bit awkward about this. So I'm just going to suggest to my son or daughter that they Google it to get more information. Uh, is that bad advice? That is really bad advice. So please do not do that. Um, that's actually one of the five points that we'll get to um, as far as the five things that parents need to know is we live in a generation where when we don't know the answer to something, we just Google it. We just look it up on the Internet. And when it comes to issues of sexuality, when you do that, and especially with younger generations, they don't want to sit and read an article. They're going to Google image search that. So um, they're going to get exposed to images that are just inappropriate for them to see. All right, let's let's walk through these five things, and you, you detail them in the book, and realize, of course, for listeners, that uh, this is not meant to be exhaustive. Uh, this is meant to kind of hit the highlights for you and then encourage you to get a copy of Anne Marie Miller's new book. By the way, the book is newly published by Baker and available at Christian bookstores around the Bay Area, as well as the usual suspects, including Amazon.com. And Anne Marie, it's also available on your website. Yes, it sure is. You All right, so folks can go to AnneMarieMiller.com and order the copy of the book there as well. All right, let's break it down. Walk us through, if you would, the five things every parent needs to know about their kids and sex. Uh, the first one is the earlier the better. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier in the show, but talking to your kids about sex from 
literally birth through 18 and over. Um, we kind of cover what age-appropriate conversations are for different age groups. So if you have a 4-year-old or a 12-year-old, um, you can kind of know what they're experiencing and what you should probably be talking to them about. Um, the second one is that your child is not the exception. And again, that's something that we, we really battle, uh, especially within the Christian community, is we think we're doing everything we can to protect our child, and we are, but that's not the answer. Just having that conversation so that when they are exposed to these things, they can know how to process it in a biblical manner is, is definitely key. Uh, the third thing is just about media, um, any type of media, TV, movies, radio, music, video games, the whole gamut. I kind of just I did a lot of research about what's on these different forms of media and how children are exposed to them and, and the, the risk and benefits. And it, it was really shocking to me, um, to be quite honest, to, to watch a show that's rated for 14-year-olds and be exposed to 40 or 50 sexual references in just a few minutes. I, I was so, shocked the, the other day. I, I happened to catch a repeat of one of the movies in the Shrek series. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it, it hit me at so much a surprise. I, I, I didn't even, at first I thought, oh, I'm clearly misunderstanding this until I realized that, that one of the characters written into, I think it's Shrek 3, is, is intentionally created as a transsexual. And I thought, yeah. oh, well, we're just keeping up with the uh, uh, with the Bruce and Caitlyn Jenner times, I suppose. Yeah, even in, I mean, <laughs> Shrek is cute, but even like in the original Shrek, uh, the magic mirror talks to Snow White and says, just because she lives with seven men doesn't mean that she's easy. I mean, that says, he, that mirror says that in the first Shrek. You know, the irony That's is that we realize that there are adults who write the scripts, who, who do the artwork, so they're going to occasionally put content in that seems to get the guffaws out of the adults in, in the audience. But, of course, they fail to recognize that the, the biggest group of consumers of that content are going to be children. And make no mistake about it, there's got to be some degree to which part of this kind of the, you know, the, the behind the scenes inside, ha, 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 let's pull one over kind of a deal. And part of it is, has got to be some intentional effort. I mean, I, I, I looked at this one character in Shrek 3 and I thought they're intentionally trying to prepare kids for that early age uh, in, in introducing them to the topic of, of uh, transsexualism, which, you know, given the, the debate going on in this country today regarding children and the use of bathrooms and, and whatnot, and a bill that even here in California has been uh, facing a court challenge that pushes the very same topic. You, you, would, you would think that these films that are geared for children would be safe for children, but that isn't always the case, and I, I suppose to a great degree, parents find themselves in the very unenviable position of having to explain things that they never thought they would be discussing with a seven-year-old. You're absolutely right. It's it's really amazing, and, and sadly, it's become kind of the new norm um, because we have a, a set of values that's very different from what the world puts in the media. You know, we're shocked and we're we're horrified to hear these things or to see these things, but it's just another day at the office for a lot of people, and they don't give a second thought about it. Okay, so from the media, point number four. Um, so we move from media into that whole Google is the new sex ed idea that we are a generation. We are a, a world almost where when we don't know something, we go to the Internet. If you, as an adult, if you need to know how 
thorough your meat needs to be cooked when when you're making a steak or a hamburger. You Google it. Or if you want to know who sings a certain song, you Google it. And it's the same way when our kids hear a, a word in school or that their peers say, and they think that it might be a bad word, they will turn to the Internet because they don't want to turn to your parent because they're embarrassed or their friends. So they go to the Internet, put the word in, and then that's how a lot of children are exposed to pornography for the first time. And amazingly, of course, so, you know, again, talk about feeling your 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 eons light years away, where for my generation, if you had questions, you either looked it up in your Encyclopedia Britannica or in the reference department of the local library, where even if there were any of those books that might be questionable, they were they were under lock and key. And when you walked up to the to the reference librarian's desk and clearly you were, you know, seven years old or 10 years old. You didn't get access to that stuff. There's nobody there with any of this under lock and key, is there? I mean, even if a parent says, oh, we put certain filters on and we're trying to do our best, the reality is, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Anne-Marie, it isn't even as much a question of your child going and looking for it, even if they are. The reality is this stuff is coming and looking for your child, isn't it? It's very true that 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 is very often the case. Okay, and point number five. And the point number five is that sexually abused children rarely speak up. Mm. And that was something that, um, unfortunately, I know it makes every heart and every every parent quiver just a little bit to think that um, their their child could be sexually abused and, and not know about it. My, my own parents didn't know about my abuse until I was 28, and that was 12 years after it happened. And there's so much shame and stigma tied with sexual abuse that we really, um, victims of abuse, tend to keep quiet. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done by parents, and, and one of the one of the issues here, you, you led with it, the, the matter of um, the age at which you start to address these matters with your child, and I know that it's going to cause a sense of embarrassment or chagrin for a lot of parents to think, I, I can't really be can't, really talking to an eight-year-old about such things, and, you know, I think when a lot of us were, were kids of that age back uh, in the last century, uh, you know, our, if, if our parents brought such matters up, they gave cutesy names to body parts and so we all we all kind of chuckled over it but the idea of of addressing your child to protect your child from such abuse or from such exposure uh, as as counterintuitive as it seems to be we want to think we want to protect our child by inoculating them or or isolating them from exposure to all of this but again I guess the the big warning if there is any from your book is the big takeaway Anne Marie the idea that they're going to get it the question is what source are they going to get it from and how is it going to be couched or presented Yes, that's that's absolutely right. And I think, again, that parents have got to be on the front line of this. And oftentimes in, in books past, you know, people recommend getting in the car and driving with your child somewhere to have these conversations so that there's no escape. And I think that actually kind of plays into the message that there's something to be ashamed of. But it's really, I think, our, our opportunity as parents to to sit down with our child and look them in the eye and, and talk about these things. And yes, it, it's going to be a little awkward, but to embrace that and know that sex is not a dirty topic that we need to sweep under the rug. And, you know, it's this beautiful gift that God's given us to share between a, a man and his wife and in marriage. And outside of that, the world's distorted it. But just to normalize that conversation so that your kids can feel safe to talk to you about questions and they don't feel awkward when you when you bring stuff up. Um, that's, that's just really key. That conversation is really key. And, and certainly, as I think you suggest, creating a safe environment, a healthy environment 
in which these conversations can take place, in which children feel comfortable approaching mom and dad, too, with questions, is going to go a long way toward making sure that it doesn't take place eventually later on out of and beyond your control in very unsafe environments that can be every, every gambit from teaching uh, values that are con- contrary to the, the Christian ethic, the biblical uh, uh, standard that you want to create in your home and for your child, and, and, and to the, the, the sad and horrific continuum of sexual abuse if your child isn't prepared to know what it is and what to look out for. A look at five things every parent needs to know about their kids and sex. Again, newly published by Baker Books, available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as through Anne Marie Miller's website at annemariemiller.com. That's annemariemiller.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It could be just about any condition that plagues you and that your doctor has failed to successfully treat. Running the gambit from consistent lower back pain to arthritis, diabetes, even thyroid issues, all of which can be described as chronic and yet you've never gotten any relief. And you just want to know, is there any chance of hope of getting relief, permanent relief? We're here now with Dr. John Duong. Dr. Duong is a board-certified chiropractic doctor. Doctor, great to have you on the program with us today. Your passion is about helping listeners fix their chronic conditions. Tell me why. Yes, this is starting with my dad. Like 10 years ago, he was a diabetic, and um, that time the doctor said, oh, you have to open a heart surgery, and he, he's taking medication for his diabetes, cholesterol, and hypertension, and he's carrying a bag of medication. Deep down my heart, I always say that there must be a solution other than taking this medication. So um, the story is that my dad did have a open heart surgery, but there's a health concern. There's a chronic condition that he has a diabetes and heart issue. And then deep down my heart, is there must be a solution because I always believe is that the body can heal itself. The powers that create the body always heals the body from the inside out. So I'm beginning to research and I continue to take postgraduate uh, courses in nutrition and, and find out is there any way that the body can heal naturally. The first person that I really want to help is my dad. So I do go through the process and learn and experience and now I can explain to other people how can they fix the chronic disease. Let's talk when we, when we discuss the issue of chronic conditions. Uh, what exactly is on that list? Um, the chronic conditions is like pain, for example, like lower back, um, sciatic nerve, causing the aggravating pain and um, neck pain, diabetic neuropathy, like nerve tingling, numbness, is, uh, sensations, autoimmunity conditions that lead into arthritis pain. So that is classified as chronic. Anytime that uh, a doctor gives you a diagnosis of a disease, that's already considered as a chronic. So... We need to find a way how can we fix a chronic condition because a lot of people are very frustrated with the current conditions or the current treatment that they're receiving. Well, let's talk about the reasons why that is because I think all of us, if not uh, an issue that touches our own life, perhaps a, a loved one or a co-worker that we know is struggling with some of the issues that you just discussed, lower back pain, arthritis, diabetes, etc., etc., and while they're seeing a physician for a quote-unquote treatment, yet they seem to be very frustrated and don't seem to be making any progress, sometimes over years of of treatment. Why is that? So the the first thing I want to lead patients into understanding what's going on, the first question I ask is that, do we have a health care system or a sick care system? Hmm. Yeah, so a lot of people said, oh, it's a sick care system. Yes, in reality, and I always ask, I always think positive, what are these 
sick care system, what is the model of this sick care system, in my opinion, is that uh, the sick care system, what is this uh, sick care system good for? It is good for emergency, crisis care, band-aid approach. It helps. It really saves lives because the model that we're using is for uh, acute urgent care that really works, that really saves lives. But we cannot use that acute model for a chronic condition. That's why a lot of people are still suffering from pain. A lot of people are still struggling with their chronic illnesses that they are. So we need to look at a different way. So the first thing that I would do is that I always take a look at what the Bible teach. What it teaches is that um, the body has the capacity to heal itself. So how can we heal itself? That's what we need to look in for to taking care of our chronic conditions. You know, so often people hear the term chronic and they think, doctor, that that means helpless, that this is something that they're just destined to live with, and they'll take fistfuls of pain medication, do whatever they can to kind of get by and cope. And yet what you're suggesting is part of the approach from traditional medicine has been wrong. We've been essentially covering up the pain with pills and medication instead of getting to the underlying cause. You are totally right, because who are the sources of healing is your body. So in order for us to take care of the chronic condition, you have to take care of the sources. The sources is your body. You have to face the body so the body can heal. So the powers that create the body heals the body from the inside out. So we need to take a look at the body. What's wrong with the body? Fix the body so the body can heal any chronic disease that you have. And in the past, I've heard you talk about things such as building upon some of the basic fundamentals or pillars, I guess we'll call them, of good health there. Things like detoxification, good nutrition, exercise. What else is on that list? What we do is that we call that as five pillar of health. Like people with condition, we always teaching them, educating them. That's why we said that we offer a curriculum that's based on five pillar of health. Like you mentioned, detox, nutrition, uh, fitness, which is exercise, the nervous system, and the hormones. So we will explain that in detail in the videos that I have and explain that in detail of what is the five pillar of health. That is like if you have a health condition such, such as like uh, diabetes, uh, thyroid, we, we don't treat uh, diabetes, we don't treat thyroid, we don't treat any conditions. So what we do is that we teach the patients how to take care of the body so the body can heal itself based on five pillars of health. And then also we will, uh, we've seen a lot of patients with pain conditions such as low back pain, neck pain, um, um, like diabetic um, neuropathy. So we have a five pillar of health that we, we help to support the patients. Uh, we, have the, we invest in the technology, um, like this is what we call is the five pain therapy uh, that, we, uh, that we have, okay, so that we can use the latest technology so that they were, uh, to support the body so the body can heal. So we do have technology supporting the body so the body can heal better and faster. Dr. John Duong is with us today. If you've just tuned in, Dr. Duong, as we mentioned earlier, is a board-certified chiropractic doctor. We're talking about chronic conditions. Perhaps you yourself suffer from one. And the big question, perhaps, that many of our listeners are wondering right now, and that is, in this approach that you take, in using more of a, a natural means of correcting some of the underlying conditions and getting giving the body the tools that it needs to essentially heal itself, what do the results typically look like? 
for example, okay, the patient has come in and they have their diabetic neuropathy, so their symptoms is like tingling, numbness, loss of balance in their feet. So the way to approach is to find out the sources of the issue. So of course, there's discomfort, there's the nerve issue that's causing the balance issue. So we used our five-point therapies to help the patient to alleviate their symptoms. And then also we helped coaching the patients so that the body can heal and supporting so the blood sugar can get better so that um, they can eat incorrectly so that in a way that we are supporting their diabetic symptoms that they have. So we fix the body so the body can heal from within. If any of these issues have struck a chord with you and you think, aha, finally, an opportunity to perhaps get free of the pain that maybe you've lived with for years, why not call today? Dr. Duong is offering a free consultation and free chronic condition report valued at $250. It's available to you for a limited time, but you need to call the Holistic Health Center today at 800-470-0828. That's 800-470-0828. Dr. Dr. Dong, tell us, in this free consultation and that free chronic condition report, what all does that involve? Under consultation, if you have any type of chronic condition, so first we want to see if we can help you, so that's why we offer the consultation. So we need to understand your situation. Where is the pain? Do you have any pain? Where is that pain coming from? Or do you have a health condition? Do you have been struggling with it and you're not getting better? So we need to understand like what is your health concerns are, and then we will give you a full uh, consultations on that, and then to see what we can do to educate you so that you can use the five pillars of health that we have to improving your health. And again, that free health consultation along with the free chronic condition report, a $250 value, yours available for a limited time when you call right now, 800-470-0828. That's 800-470-0828. Call the Holistic Health Center today and schedule your complimentary appointment. Again, no cost or obligation. This free health consultation and the free chronic condition report a $250 value yours free for a limited time but you must act now 800-470-0828 that's 800-470-0828 you can also get more information and schedule your appointment online by going to drduonglive.com that's dr D-U-O-N-G live dot com. And our thanks again to board certified doctor, Dr. John Duong, for being with us today on this edition of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.